You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from Pastor Robert. I believe I have a message here uh, this morning. Again, I'll say I've been crying a lot. Uh, I got down uh, this morning on the floor in my office and began to pray. And uh, have you ever got to a place where you can't pray? All you can do is weep. And it it was not a a painful weep. I'm not crying because of problems in my life. I'm uh, crying because of the presence of the Lord. And uh, you don't have to be in church. Uh, to feel the presence of the Lord. Church is a good place to be. Uh, Yesterday, just weed eating and cutting some trees and uh, doing some work down uh, behind my house and just in the presence of the Lord and and being healthy enough to do it, knowing where I could have been after uh, the strokes and different things and been able to move every part of my body and work. And I just bless the Lord. Uh, So you've all heard me say that I title every message And uh, this title today is One Word, and uh, maybe toward the end of the message, I'll share a little bit more about that. But the word this morning, the title, is Assurance. Um, I have three children, and I have uh, three granddaughters. Uh, My oldest granddaughter was going to the homecoming dance last night. And I went down and we wanted to see her in her dress and she came out of the room and, and, and I, I said, somebody lock her in her bedroom and don't let her go nowhere. And, uh, but the heaviest burden uh, for a parent or for a grandparent is for your own bloodline. I'm gonna say it again. The heaviest burden for a parent or a grandparent is for your own bloodline. My oldest boy, he's, uh, he lives at my dad's house. And uh, my son, Dakota, is engaged to uh, Annabelle, and they'll be getting married uh, next July 20th. Um, yeah, that's what I said, woo. And uh, our daughter, Alexis, is in Morgantown. This is her freshman year. Uh, at college and she stays there during the week and comes home on the weekend. Again, the heaviest burden for a parent or a grandparent is your own bloodline. So last night, my wife and I are sound asleep and I hear my wife's phone ding. And that's very unusual because I didn't have my hearing aids in. Usually she hears, and but she was already sound asleep. Again, Your heaviest burden is your own bloodline. And I said to her, I said, is that Alexis? So she woke up and she got her phone and she looked and she said, yes, it's Alexis. She's home now. I said, what time is it? 1040. (laughs) We had been sound asleep since shortly after eight o'clock. So it don't matter if they move out or not. Again, the heaviest burden for a parent or a grandparent is your own bloodline. Stand with me. The heaviest burden for a parent or a grandparent 
is their child or their grandchild's eternal destiny. It's your heaviest. Psalms chapter 127, verse 3. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. Just, just stand, remain standing with me. The Hebrew term here, it implies something valuable. Your child, your grandchild is valuable. 48% of children in America today are being raised by grandparents. That's one out of every two. So that's why I didn't just say parents, but grandparents. So let me go back now. We read verse 3, but let's go back in Psalms 127 and read verse 1 and 2. Except the Lord build the house, the labor, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat bread of sorrow, for so he hath giveth his beloved sleep. Father, we bless your holy name. And God, we thank you for your word today. And God, it's my prayer, God, that every heart would be opened, every ear would be opened, God, receptive to hear your word today. And Father, we would all leave with assurance. In Jesus' name I pray, and amen. You may be seated this morning. I was sitting in my office this morning, and I knew what assurance means, but I wanted to look at the Webster Dictionary, and it says certainty. It says to have confidence. A family without God, listen to me, a family without God, a relationship with God, can never experience the spiritual bond that God has for a relationship in a family. If you don't have a relationship as a family with God, you will never have the spiritual bond that God wants your family to have because without a relationship and a foundation with God, you'll never understand forgiveness. So how, you know, family, we hurt each other. We do things. How can we experience forgiveness if we don't have a relationship with God? So a family without God can never experience that spiritual bond that God wants your family to have. But also a city without God will crumble from the inside. Do you hear me? A city without God will crumble from the inside. And we see it in most of our major cities in America today that are without God and they are crumbling from the inside. So don't make the mistake uh, of leaving God out of your life. Don't make the mistake of leaving God out of your community. You and I, sheep beget sheep. We ought to be out in the community telling people what the Lord has done in our lives. So make your highest priority at serving God this morning, I would estimate, as, as they give me numbers every week, that there's probably around 20 to 25 in the nursery. And there's always between 120 and 129 or 130 kids from the age of three to fifth grade in children's church, which blessed me an hour before we ever even started our service. Their worship team kids were in there rehearsing, worshiping, getting ready. A, a, a small band like 
like we have right here. So then the, the middle school and high school is with us in here, and that's usually around 40. And then we have the college group that's always with us, and that's around 20. So there's somewhere around 200 kids uh, that we are responsible for that is here every Sunday, not counting the ones that come maybe every other week. Mom and dad, you need to make your priority. Number one is your spiritual authority in your child's life. You need to train up the child in the way that that child should go. And listen to me, there is nothing else you can do in their life that is more important than training up your child to walk with God. If you believe that this morning, give God a hand clap and a shout of praise. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, my child is priority. Children, again, are the greatest weight on a parent's heart. Am, am I right? How many like puppies? Puppies are cute, right? They grow up to be dogs. That's just a joke there, all right? I'm not calling our children dogs, but a puppy will... As that puppy grows, it will continue to cause you some problems until that child is, that puppy is trained. Do you hear me? We got a couple in the house and there are still some days they're not trained. I'm talking about the dogs, all right? I'm talking about the kids, not kids, all right? Children are the greatest weight on a parent's heart and it, this is nothing new. Do you hear me? Nothing new. Listen to this. Adam and Eve lost their second son when their firstborn slew his brother in jealousy. Did you know that? It's nothing new. Don't show me by your hand. I might start a civil war in your house. Well, I wonder if any of you have any children that have some jealous problems. Jacob's two sons, Simon and Levi, slew an entire tribe because of the men that raped their sister. Now you think about the heaviness that was in this family's house. The stress. The prophet Samuel was a righteous man who heard God's voice at age 12. But his own sons became immoral and corrupt. King David had one son who raped his half-sister. Your heaviest burden will be your own bloodline. Job's sons and daughters were tragically killed in a hurricane. And before that, you will recall, if you read the scripture, that Job was concerned about his children because they were in his, his daughters and sons were in their home drinking wine. They were partying. And Job was afraid that his children would sin against God. Am I right? And he offered burnt offerings. Your heaviest burden will be your own bloodline. Then what happened to his children? In Job 1 and 18, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, uh, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young men and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Listen to me. My parents raised me in church. 
Most of you have heard the story. I tell people I had a drug problem growing up. Mom and dad drugged my butt to church. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves in the house of the Lord, even greater so as you see that day approaching. And I'm so glad. And throughout this message and throughout this week, I've thought a lot about my mom and my dad, more so of my mom in this situation. And there is many parents uh, who have raised their children in church and you are weighted down because your children are spiritually AWOL. And I know, I'm not asking nobody to raise their hand. I have people call me, people text me, people stop me all the time and want prayer for their children. And I look back this week and I can see uh, where my mom stood, and I'll share that later. The ultimate reason for many of our children and grand... And let me say something. You may be 50 years old here today, and I'm speaking to you because you're somebody's son or somebody's daughter. I'm not just talking to the young people in this house. So the ultimate reason for many of our children and grandchildren not walking with the Lord. Let's look in John chapter 12, verse 40. He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted, and I should heal them. The adversary has blinded the eyes and hardened the hearts of many, preventing them from receiving knowledge and being converted. And Hosea said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But here in John chapter 12, verse 40, the passage is actually saying that God blinds and hardens man. You say, wow, that's not even fair. Let me tell you, a man cannot continue to reject Jesus Christ and accept matters to stay as they are. You can't do it. So you may be 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. You just keep on the path that you're on and the Bible says God will harden your heart, okay? When God has loved you, you say, well, that's not even fair, but when God has loved you the way he's loved you, when God has loved man the way he's loved man, when God has done so much for me, so much for you, and we continue to deny God and God's son, you better expect to suffer some consequences. Do you hear me? God blinds the eyes. He blinds the eyes of the unbeliever. God hardens the heart of the unbeliever. God condemns the unbeliever to be lost. God condemns the unbeliever to be unhealed. God never reveals his glory to the unbeliever. A man is lost only because he chooses to have nothing to do with God. Do you hear me? You say, I don't believe that. Well, in Exodus, God sent a man by the name of Moses that we heard about to Egypt to speak, a man that said, I can't even speak, but when God calls you, he'll equip you and he'll give you everything you need. And does the word not say that God hardened Pharaoh's heart? King, right? 
hardened his heart. Well, that's not right. That's not fair. But if you read the word of God, it didn't happen spontaneous. It happened because the Pharaoh king of Egypt continually, continually, continually rejected God. And every time when the Holy Spirit is in God's house or in your car coming across your radio and you continue to reject God, God will over a period of time will harden your heart because God will not be mocked. Give God a hand clap and a shout of praise in the house. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. My God, I'm so thankful for the cross that we sang about and the blood that was shed. And I'm so thankful when the Holy Spirit tugged at my heart on a bar stool and I got up and looked around and told my friends, I love you, but I ain't coming back. Brother, I've never had a bad day. On my worst day, it's been a great day because Jesus Christ touched my life and my heart today is not hardened. My heart is soft because of the presence of God. If God's touched your heart, give God a hand clap and a shout of praise. Now, as far as a young kid growing up in the Enterprise Methodist Church and nothing against them at all, great, wonderful people, but growing up, we often blame the old devil for keeping people out of the church. You know, the devil would just kind of, oh boy, now I, now I, I ain't going to say it. Now, you ask me out in the foyer, I'll tell you what I was thinking, but I ain't going to say it. But we blame the old devil for everything. Do you hear me? Everything growing up, we blame the devil. It's not always the devil that your children and your grandchildren, it's not always the devil because they're not walking with God. Because it's often the work of the flesh. Sin is fun. I ain't going to say, hey, when I was in sin, it was fun for a season. Tastes like honey. And then it turned into rock, gravel, right? So oftentimes it's not the devil's fault. It's our own flesh. And then oftentimes it's just the lack of desire. I just don't want to go. And oftentimes it's just pure laziness. I didn't think this was going to be a real hand-clapping message. Uninterested is why many don't come, because they're uninterested in being confronted with their sins, preferring to avoid the presence of God, and there's nothing new with that. It's exactly what Adam did. In Genesis chapter three, verse nine, and the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? These very verses shows me that God has a desire to fellowship with us. Ain't that amazing? God almighty, creator of everything, has a desire to fellowship with you and I. Verse 8 says, 
And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So not only do we learn that God had a desire to be with us, we learn this all shows, shows that we're afraid to have fellowship with him when there's sin in our lives. And that's one of the reasons your kids and your grandkids don't want to come with you to church because they're hiding from God. Do you hear me? God wanted to be with them, but because of their sin, they were afraid to show themselves. Light brings out the darkness that's in our life. Sin had broken their fellowship with God just as sin breaks our fellowship with God. How many had a praying mom in here? Anybody have a praying mom in here? Man, I got to thinking about my mom this week. My goodness, man, oh man. She had two sides of her. One, she could backhand you, pop! But then she had another side to her that was just nothing but love from God. My mom was always steady. And I keep telling you, I'm going to tell you about it in a little while. Many don't want to quit doing what they're doing is the reason. Many don't want to confront their own personal demons. Not only the ones that will not come, but many that sit in the pews every week don't want to confront their own personal demons. You need to hear me this morning. God cares about you and God has a plan for you. And demons ain't a part of that plan. Pain and struggle is not a part of that plan. God has a plan for you. Unconverted people, but also unbelievers in the house of God. They begin to build mental, their own reasoning and their own excuses for their sin, and they begin to believe it so long that it just, it hardens their heart, Pastor Rita. You, 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 you hear something long enough, you just believe it, do you hear me? Wrong thinking creates strongholds. This is not weird, this is Bible. And I believe because of live stream and also television and a few hundred that are sitting here, there is strongholds here today. But the God that we serve can bring those strongholds down. I'm telling you. And you can begin to live a life that God wants you to live. Wrong thinking creates strongholds. The Bible speaks of strongholds and how they must be pulled down. And listen to what the Apostle Paul writes to us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We like Paul are merely weak humans. Do you hear me? But we don't need to use human 
carnal plans and methods to win our battles. We've got the word of God. We've got the plan of God. God tells us how to pull down strongholds. You and I as a Christian, we must choose the method that we are going to use uh, to pull down the stronghold, not only in our life, but in the bloodline of my children and my grandchildren and the next generation and the next generation. God is able to touch our family. He's able to save your son. He's able to save your daughter. He's able to bring your grandchild off of the street. He's able to deliver them from drugs and alcohol and pornography and prostitution. God is still God. God is still on the throne. He's still alive. He's still all powerful. And God be the glory. If you believe that, you ought to put your hands together and bless the king of kings and call your child back into the kingdom. You ought to loosen your mind and trust God and believe that God is going to save your household. Give him a hand clap and a shout of praise. Woo! The word stronghold was used by the Greeks when speaking of a castle or a military fortification that was built to prevent access. You just couldn't break into it. And that's what a stronghold has on a lot of our families today, on a lot of our children, on a lot of our grandchildren. But in Paul's writings, Strongholds are mental blocks or thinking that prevented spiritual breakthroughs. And I'm not here to just read a poem and sing a couple of songs, kumbaya, and everybody go home and be happy because nobody will go home and be happy. I'm here today to teach and to preach that there is a deliverer and there is a God that can bring you out of the wilderness that you're in. The adversary will use a person's thinking to build a mental stronghold, hindering them from going to the very place where chains will be broken in the presence of the Lord. I can't heal a gnat. I can't deliver nobody, can't save nobody, but I know a man who can. Listen to me this morning. So what do we do as parents? Do we just stress ourselves out and worry ourselves about our children and about our grandchildren that are not walking with the Lord? What do we do? Can I tell you to set you crazy? Not only with your parents, excuse me, your children and your grandchildren, but possibly a spouse. Maybe you're a child and it's your mom or your dad it's got demons that they're battling. And if you let it, it'll set you crazy. So how should we pray? The very first thing is in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You say, what are you talking about? Why don't you just begin thanking God for your children? Thanking God. In everything. Thank God for your grandchildren. Again, the way I was brought up, if I'd wanted to go play golf on Sunday, it ain't happening, man. You go play golf on Sunday, no, it ain't happening in my household. Anybody grow up like that? Huh, Pastor Reed? We've heard the stories of your mom. Huh? 
Well, my 21-year-old son's playing golf today, and he never misses Sunday. He's in a golf tournament with his future father-in-law. I sent him a text this morning. I said, uh, hey, I'm praying for you. And his father-in-law lives in Bridgeport, and I know a lot of you here from Bridgeport. I said, I'm just telling you one thing. Don't let nobody from Bridgeport beat you today in this golf game. <laughs> and I said, I love you. And he texted me back. He said, Dad, if they beat me, will you still love me? And I texted him back, I'll pray about it. Thank God for your children. Don't, they're a blessing. Even though they drive you crazy. I drove my mom and dad crazy. Do you hear me? I think I totaled three, maybe four of my dad's cars. It's terrible. Every time the phone rang, he'd say, what'd you hit now? Anybody else know what I'm talking about? So change your prayer life a little bit. Start thanking God for your children and your grandchildren. In Psalms 100, verse 4, enter, in his, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. So after preparing this message, I lay in the presence of the Lord in my office this morning and I just entered in by thanking him for my kids. Sometimes they drive me a little bit crazy and my wife and I, we talk about it and yesterday I said something and she said, you need to do a little better job at it. You didn't think I heard that, did you? Just cause I didn't look at her, you know. Sometimes I, you know, if I brought you into this world, I'll take you out of this world. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I started praying, thank you Lord for my kids. Thank you. 1 Timothy 5 and 17 says, pray without ceasing. My mom's been going seven or eight years. Thank you, mom. Thank you, mom. Ask God, change your prayer. Ask God to protect your children from harm. Protect them from danger. God, protect my children that their hearts will not be hardened. That their eyes will not be blinded. Change your prayer. Protect my children. When that ding, I thought it was two or three in the morning, <laughs> 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> Proverbs 18 and 10, I pray for my children every day for protection. I mean it every day. Are you praying for your kids? And I don't care if they're 60, your they're still your children. 200 kids in our kids' ministry. We got a young church with young parents. Young parents, are you praying? Do your kids know you're praying for them? Boy, it's quiet. We'll buy the best shoes. We'll buy the best bat. But are we praying for our children? Shoes don't move God. Backs don't move God. Trophies don't move God. But a mom and dad's prayer will reach the throne room, enter in with power in the name Jesus. Are you taking your children to the throne or are you just taking them to the ball field? 
Psalms 34 and 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. All my children's struggles, they're coming out. All. I heard you, Rusty. Yours is coming. Psalms 46 and 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God, I need your help in my bloodline. I need my grandchildren to be able to walk with you. I need my children on fire for you. God, I'm coming to you, God, daily, seeking you. Psalms 91 and 5, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him from all, all. God, I'm here. I don't want him to just know my name when I'm in trouble. I want him to know my voice all the time. There's Robert again. Stand with me this morning. Would you please look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, that means he's got one more hour. Psalms 91 and 11. Can you change your prayer? Can you call on an angel to be with your child? Huh? Can you assign an angel? Psalms 91 and 11. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Angels. Encamp yourself around my family, around my children and my grandchildren. Pray a prayer. Say, devil, I'll serve you notice. No weapon formed against me or mine shall prosper. First Peter 5 and 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Lions, they attack sick straggling animals that are always alone. Who do you think the devil's looking for? He's looking for a child, somebody that belongs in your bloodline, and nobody's praying for him. Nobody's covering them. The old saints would pray, and they had a saying, we didn't quit till we prayed through. Now it's now, I lay me down to sleep. Let's go, preacher, it's time to eat. I just thought of that, too. That's pretty good, man. I'm a poet and don't know it. Huh? Amen. Now I lay me down to sleep. Let's go, preacher, it's time to eat. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I got a couple preacher buddies of mine. They go home on Sundays and watch us. I can't wait till they hear that one. So here's the meat of the message. Here's where my mom comes in. You pray until you feel the assurance, the assurance. At times it takes, Jimmy, a very consistent and intense intercession to change a life, to bring a chain-breaking experience for somebody in your bloodline. Are you willing to intercede to see the chains broken in your children and in your grandchildren. Because it's going to cost you some time before the Lord in prayer. Assurance. Man, oh man. Oftentimes, the seeker, the parent or the grandparent will receive 
assurance before the chains ever break. My mom prayed and prayed and prayed, never beat you up about it, never condemned you, knowing where I was, knowing where, well, my sister was saved all of her life. And my brother messed up from a young teenager, two trips to Vietnam, a gunner on a helicopter, prison, Long periods of time, she never spoke to him. And I never knew what she had until this week. She had assurance. Because she believed in the power of God and the promise of God. And she didn't stay up all night. She didn't browbeat us. She had assurance. I didn't say insurance. She had assurance. And some's heard the story, but one time somewhere at two o'clock in the morning, mom raised up in bed, had her hands up and began to praise God and was crying and thanking God. And my dad said, Annie, what's going on? What are you doing, Annie? What are you doing? She said, Richard just got saved. He said, no, Annie, you're dreaming. She said, I'm not dreaming. He just got saved and the Spirit of God told me that he got saved and within seconds the phone rang. He's on the other side of the phone and he's weeping. He's on his knees watching the rerun of Billy Graham and God sent a messenger to wake my mom up because she had assurance. So if you don't have this kind of assurance, you'll lose your mind. Don't you want to have the assurance for your children and your grandchildren before the chains ever drop? Listen to this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. Much assurance. God's power not our cleverness, not our persuasion. None of that will change people, but the power of God will. And we need that kind of confidence. Remember, confidence is a definition of assurance that God has heard our prayer and we don't need to stay up all night. We need to trust God that our bloodline is going to be saved. I, I don't say this boastfully, but from the time, 30 years of pastoring here, 10 years before in Jewel City Quartet, I've had the opportunity and the privilege uh, to lead thousands of people to Christ. Uh, but what would it be uh, if my own children and my own grandchildren and my great-grandchildren didn't know God? Well, devil, I've done serve notice to you that I've got my bloodline covered by your bloodline and my house shall be saved. Give God a hand clap and a shout of praise. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, he's got 55 minutes. Hebrews chapter six, verse 11. Mm, boy. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. I got a couple insurance policies. And just this week I got to thinking about, man, I don't think I've received a statement. 
And I'll tell you, it had to be the Holy Spirit. And uh, I dialed nationwide and I'll give them the policy number. And that girl said on the other end of the line, she said, sir, um, your policy, it was due September 15th. This was, the, I believe, the 17th I called her. But you're still in the grace period, is what she said. I never even thought about that till just right now. Huh? She said, you're in the grace period. Can I tell you, I'm in the grace period. Huh? Whew. Man, I'm telling you, don't let your policy, don't let your assurance uh, run out. You are still in the grace dispensation. God is still in the saving business. God is still in the redeeming business. God will still touch a backslider's heart. If you believe it, give him a hand clap and a shout of praise. Remember, remember often the seeker the parent or the grandparent will receive an assurance before they see the actual breakthrough. The Greek word for assurance in the New Testament means a complete and peaceful confidence in a matter, in a matter. This inner assurance, it releases a calming effect that will settle your mind and settle your spirit. And there's been times I've worried about my own bloodline and I've been guilty of it. And I said to the Lord this week, Lord, I'm sorry. You know what amazes me, Jimmy? I'd get down in front of God and tell God how to take care of my family. Isn't that amazing? And this week I said, God, I'm sorry that I'm telling you how because you don't need me to tell you how to take care of my family. God, I'm just coming before you concerned with my own bloodline. And God, I'm going to leave it to you. And I got up with assurance that my mom had. Here's another thought just came to me. Generational blessings. Huh? This week, Pastor, preparing this word for you all, I am the recipient of a generational blessing. And I know it didn't come just from my mom. It came from her mom. Huh? I ain't going to worry no more, no more, no more. Then you come to a place where you can move when you have that assurance from asking God to the place he wants you to be, just thanking God. And I thank him that my bloodline is going to be all right. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'll close by reading Isaiah 32 and 17. And the work of righteousness shall be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Keep your heads bowed and your eye closed, please. Never cease to pray for your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. Never cease. And then you enter that place of assurance that your, chair, your prayer will change and you'll just be thanking God. When faith and assurance collide, you will be at rest. I'll say it again. When faith and assurance collide. 
you will be at rest. God doesn't want you to worry. God doesn't want you to stay up all night. And I, I, I said I was going to close, but let me add one thing real quick. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Just keep your eyes closed and just meditate. And Jesus was able to sleep through a storm. And I believe that's what he wants us to do. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he, speaking of Jesus, went into a ship with his, with his disciples. And he said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake and they're filled with water and they were all in jeopardy. And they came to him and they woke him saying, Master, Master, we perish. And then he arose and he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they ceased and there was a calm. And he said unto them, where is your faith? And they being afraid wondered saying one to another, what manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water and they obey him. Christ could sleep through the storm because he had the assurance they were going to the other side. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody looking around. I want to speak for just a moment to the backslider. You love the Lord, but you know you've drifted away from him. If that would be you, and God has spoken to your heart today. No, listen, I'm not coming to you. No one's going to embarrass you. No one's going to drag you down here. Slip up your hand toward heaven and say, Lord, touch me. My goodness. My goodness. My goodness. Yes, yes. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, you've seen my hand, but you've heard my heart. And Lord, I ask you to forgive me today. I ask you to stir within my spirit. Refresh me, Lord, as I walk with you, Lord. Forgive me for walking away, but I'm here to stay. Cleanse me. Use me, Lord. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Again, I'm not coming to you. As you walk with God, are you walking with Him? Have you asked Him into your life? Have you prayed and asked Him to forgive you from the youngest to the oldest in the house? Only one way to the Father. And that's through Jesus. And he loves you and he died for you. We sang about it. About the cross. About his blood. It was for you. It was for me. If you're here today and you're not certain, you don't have the assurance that heaven is your home. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you need to give your life to the Lord, would you slip your hand up high? Again, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out. Would you slip? I see your hand. 
Somebody else? Somebody else? Somebody else? Somebody else? And pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, today I humbly bow before you and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to enter into my heart to cleanse me, Jesus. And I repent of my sins and I turn from this way of the world. Lord, help me, grow me, guide me, teach me. Thank you, Jesus, for never giving up on me. In Jesus' name I pray. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, how many have somebody in your bloodline, in your bloodline, that's not walking with God? Would you raise your hand? I pray that you found some peace today. This altar is open as something's coming right now. And I would ask you, if you have somebody, it's early yet. My goodness, it's early. If you have somebody in your bloodline that is not walking with God and you're concerned about them, would you come and bring them to the Lord? My brother not only got saved, uh, he started preaching just about everywhere he went. He'd buy a new Harley Davidson. He'd take Harley Davidson emblems off the side and paint Jesus on it. He just, uh, he, he just was radically, radically saved. Amen. And uh, mom's gone, dad's gone, he's gone. Nine and nine's left. Won't be that long. We'll be all together again. Uh, in my household on Sundays, as kids, we'd all go to grandma and grandpa's after church. Back then, it seemed like their table was as long as from here to that wall. You know? Everybody, wasn't no TV in the house. Everybody played games outside and eat and laugh. Sir, I don't know who you are, but I look down and you remind me of my mom's oldest brother. I've come from a line of pastors. And uh, they all went Methodist and I ran. different direction. We're all the same family. Same family. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. 